Let's get started. Today we are jumping into a new series as it piggybacks off of the last one as we finish up alternate reality. And in that one we were looking at things as what perspective should we look at the world. It comes from a biblical worldview and looking at things through the lens of Scripture and through the lens of the Spirit. And it's, I've been praying here over the last uh, several months of like, alright God, where are we going next? This is what He put on me. And we're going to get into this a little introductory today. Some of this stuff, is uh, some of you may have heard before, may have an understanding. But we talk about this idea of being in His image. Okay? Created in God's image. And, and oftentimes we don't really think this through of what that even means. But the idea is not a new idea, a new concept, not something that's been created in the last few decades or few hundred years for that matter. It comes from primarily the book of Genesis. And so what we're going to do today is I introduce this concept. I'm going to begin to break it down and begin to break it down what it means because it's way more intense than what most people think. Most people think when they hear that we're created in God's image that God looks like us. Okay? Aren't you glad that's probably not true? It depends. Yeah, it depends. But I mean, we think about like ears and eyes and a mouth and fingers and toes and all of the other stuff. And all of that may be true. It's kind of like I was talking to somebody the other day. It's like, you know, uh, uh, I was listening to this call in and uh, this, this lady uh, was calling into a radio show and she had joined the Roman Catholic Church coming from a Protestant background. And they said that they'd had this supernatural event take place. And their churches, they were performing the Eucharist, which is basically communion for them, if you didn't know what that word meant. And, um, but they believe a little bit different. They believe a lot different, not just a little different. They believe a lot different. And they think that Christ is in the bread and Christ is in the, the wine, that, that it is, is his actual body, his actual blood. And they are re-sacrificing him every week. That's literally what this means. And so as they were doing this, I don't know if somebody took a picture. I don't know what it was, but there was an image of the Virgin Mary that appeared. Okay. And when she called in, she's like, I don't know what to do with this because it doesn't exactly line up with my theology. However, there's no denying that that was Mary. Now, here's the first thing to pop through my head. Anybody want to take a guess? What does Mary look like? Who's got the photo? Right? There's no doubt in my mind that something supernatural could have happened and that an image could have appeared. There's no question about that. That's very, very biblical. But why did, did she come with like, hi, my name is Mary? I mean, how do you do that? They presuppose that. And the radio host was talking, he said it's very interesting that when, when some Buddhist will have a, a vision of something, they will see like a, a lighted figure, they say that that is Krishna. But when a Christian does, they say that it is Christ. And here's what we know. It's both supernatural. We just don't know from what side. And so when we talk about like the ability, and we talk about these things, and we're like, well, what does Jesus look like to be made in his image? Like most of the times from the movies and books, he's kind of got blondish brown hair and blue eyes and a European accent, and which never understood that one. But they sound smarter, so that's probably what it is. But, but I mean, again, it's like we're, we're, we're putting this out there and we're trying to put these rigid uh, statements on what God is. And if we're created in his image, that means God looks like us. And he might... But he might not, because we don't really know. But what we do know is that there's, there's passages that say that we were created in his image. So we need to define those terms to get started with this entire thing. First part is Genesis chapter 1. You're going to be familiar with these. <coughs> and I promise I won't, <coughs> excuse me, I won't preach too long today. Genesis chapter 1, we're starting at verse 26. I guarantee you know this. 
Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Okay, is there any question about how he created them? No, in his image. It says it time and time again. Go to Genesis chapter 5, verse 1. It says, this is the book of the genealogy of Adam in the day that God created man. He made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and then blessed them and called them mankind in the day that they were created. And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. Now, we will come back to that portion, but just remember that, that uh, Adam also created a son in his own likeness after his image. So we're going to have to deal with that, but not today. And then Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, it says, Whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. For in the image of God, he made man. Any questions? Is it pretty clear that in the image of God, man was made? Is that fair? We can say that. Now, here's where we screw up. We presuppose that we know what that means. A lot of times we'll say, well, yeah, he made man like he's got intelligence. Or he's got reasoning ability or emotions. He's got the ability to commune with God, uh, some self-awareness thing. He's got the ability of language or communication. There's, there's things such as that that make us distinct. The presence of a soul or a spirit or both, or he has this consciousness or this free will. We come up with all of these things to say what this might mean, and it's actually way simpler than that. It's way simpler than that. All we have to do is begin to break down the text to say, what God did you mean? So here's the problem. Whenever we read a passage of Scripture, we oftentimes will interpret it based off of what we've heard before or what we've been taught in church or some denominational background that we have. And we never stop to ask and say, God, what do you mean by it? We just go with all the other people that have told us what he means. So many times, just like any other situation, when we look at the Scripture, we, we will look at it and say, well, God, I know this is what you said, but let me tell you what you meant. Okay, so let's go back. Genesis chapter 1. We're going to see a couple of things here. Genesis chapter 1, verse 20. It says, Then God said, Let the waters above with, uh, abound with an abundance of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the firmament of the, earth, of the heavens. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that moves with which the waters abounded according to their kind and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good and God blessed him saying, be fruitful and multiply, fill the waters and the seas, let the birds multiply in the earth. So the evening and morning were the fifth day. So we have six days of creation. We're starting at day five because we already have the earth. We already have the heavens. We already have the water. We have all of this stuff here. So what did he do? He created sea creatures. He created birds. And what did he tell them to do? Multiply. That was it. That was all their job. Their responsibility was to multiply. Did they do it? They sure did. With abundance. Now, let's go to verse 24. Now we're getting into day 6. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creepy thing and the beasts of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, what does that mean? He first creates the animals, the land creatures, and then he turns his attention to man. Now, you notice he didn't say to the birds, to the fish, or the land animals, let us create them in our image 
He didn't say that. He made them. But when he turned his attention to mankind, he adjusted his verbiage and was very distinct on what he said. So, the word in is important here. Because when we're saying we're created in his image, we should know what the meaning of the word in is. Don't think down to uh, like the old days with like Bill Clinton's like, well, what does it mean or is means or whatever it was. I did not inhale. Whatever was going on back then. And so the meaning of the word in, it comes from the word beth, essentially, or bet is how you would say it. B-E-T-H is in Hebrew. It's translated as or to be as. Okay? So in other words, if we put it up like this, it says, let us create mankind to be our image. This is one way to translate it. Or let us create mankind as our image. Now, when I say it that way, it's got a completely different feel to it. Because now, when I say to be our image, we're not looking at like, okay, well, fingers and toes and, and personalities and all of this other stuff. We're now starting to see it from a different perspective. So let me put this in words that you can understand. Because we use the word in in multiple ways as well. If I said to put the dishes in the sink, the word in denotes the location, right? But if I said I broke the dish in pieces, it denotes the result of you not being careful while you put them in the sink, okay? It denotes some result. If I said I wrote the letter in pencil, the end is describing the instrumentation that I use, the instrument that I use to do this. But then I say, if I work in medicine or accounting or education or whatever, it means I work as a doctor, as an accountant, as a teacher. It denotes the role or the function of what I do. We just use the word in four different ways. So what did God mean? Well, notice the distinction. He made all the living creatures, but separated man. He didn't say this about anything else. Now, it doesn't take a very old person to realize that man is above the animals. I don't care what PETA says. We are above that. Okay? So understanding this and the commands that God gave. What was the command that he gave to the animals? Multiply. There's two of you. Make more of you. That's it. But what command... Did he give man the moment after he created them? Look at verse 28 of Genesis chapter 1. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Now that sounds familiar. Fill the earth and subdue it. That's a change. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. What did he tell man? Be fruitful, meaning to be productive. Multiply, meaning to make more of you. Fill the earth and bring it unto submission. Have dominion over everything. He, God, gave man his authority on the earth. You see, the word in his image isn't just simply like a, a way that we look. It is as his representative, his imager. He gave man authority from the very beginning. But do you know that man was not the first thing created? And I'm not just talking heavens and earth. If you read in Job chapter 38, verse 4, I hope I put this in there. It says, where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements, surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it. To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstone? When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. 
the sons of God, Bene'e Elohim is the Hebrew word for angels. They were there when he laid the cornerstone to the earth. And that was done prior to man. Did he say that about the angels? I give you authority. Subdue the earth. No. In fact, they would have been down there. And I'm not going to get all into this today. But Eden was the domain of God. Both angelic beings and all living creatures dwelt with God in Eden. Who did he give authority to? Gave it to man. Why? You're my imager. You're my representative. You go and you do. You represent me. So what we see here is both men and women are, are equally included. Divine image bearing is what we were talking about. Is unique to mankind. From every other created thing. We see in other parts that angels desire to look into this salvation. They want to understand it. Those sons of God are, are angelic beings. And then the image bearing sons of God is mankind. And we know that something about humankind makes us like God in some way. Now, again, this is introductory. Just bear with me. But keep that in mind. This was God's plan from the very beginning. How'd they do? They got kicked out of Eden like at least day eight. Maybe later. We don't know. Day seven, he took off. Day eight, he gave him the boot. Day nine, day ten. I don't care. Pick whatever day you want. They didn't do very well. But what was God's intent? God's intent was for mankind from Eden to spread Eden, to spread the garden. And they have, have dominion over every living creature. Everything. And they did it. They didn't get it right. Now, let's fast forward a little bit. We have Jesus come to earth. Jesus came to earth as a man. He didn't come down here as the son of God, so to speak. He didn't come in here in all authority and all power. And everything. He did what you and I did. Do you realize he likely had diapers changed? That's weird to think about, isn't it? Like, what if Jesus got diaper rash? How would Mary deal with that? Maybe that's why she keeps appearing in these pictures. I don't know. She has no rest. But when Jesus came, when Jesus came on the earth, he too was in the image of God. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We'll start in verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience, in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose mind the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine in them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So, who is the image of God? Jesus was the image of God. Can we look at Jesus and say, this is what God is? What God is like? What He looks like? Probably not. I hope He doesn't look like that. Because apparently Jesus wasn't very good looking either. Despite what all the movies would like you to believe. So when we look at this, we're like, okay, well, if Jesus was the express image of God, let's look at another one. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 9. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. It says, for this reason we also... Since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you 
and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sin he is the image of the invisible god the firstborn over all creation for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers all things were created through him and for him and he is before all things and in him all things consist and he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead and in all things he may have the preeminence now was he the image of the invisible god yeah very clearly paul makes that understanding known that jesus was the express image of god so mankind was created originally in the image of god to represent him what did jesus do he said, I don't do anything that I don't see my father do, that I don't hear my father say. That is all that I do. Was he the express image of God the Father? Of course he was. So in the beginning, mankind was to rule, to reign in the image of God as God's representative on this earth with his authority. What animal was named that wasn't named by Adam? There isn't any. They were all named. Why? Because God gave that authority to him. And at some point, we'll get into this later, that authority seems to have transitioned because he lost that ability. But then Jesus comes and seems to bring it back. So do we see a pattern beginning to develop? God created man with a function and a purpose to represent God on this earth. Man screwed it up. Then Jesus comes with a purpose and a function to represent God on this earth. And he gets it right. But what happens from there? Well, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm giving you guys the condensed version today because I know you want to go home at some point. You can thank me later. Verse 16, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. What are we being transformed into? The image of Christ, which is the image of God. Well, why would that be? Well, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 46. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. So what has been done by Jesus' work? We are now created in the image of God. Not the look. Don't get hung up on the look. But the function. The duty to represent God. We have to start from this place. Because when we say we're created in His image, we do not understand. You see, too many, I mean, just think about this for a minute. And you hear me harp about this all the time. But most people will spend their entire life talking about God. 
but won't have the interaction and relationship with God that he yearns from the beginning of creation. That's why he created man. He had a family that he created. We'll get into this later. And from there, it expounded. And then there was a separation between man and God. And then Jesus tore the veil, which was his flesh. Now we can do what? Have communion with God again. And then with that, as Jesus told his disciples, as I did, you will do. Greater works will you do because I go to the Father. You go, you be my representative. You carry my name throughout the earth. And they did. But what if they hadn't? What if they had acted like you and I? What if they didn't take that seriously? We talk about the parable of the sower. Who's the sower? We need more sowers. Why are people not sowing the word? Why do we just want to show up at church? Holy Spirit, touch me. I want to hear a sermon. I like that song. What happened to going out and representing God every single day with everything that we do? I don't care what you do. When I was a machinist right out of high school, I ran a drill press all day long. And every day, I called it the porn bus would come around. Because one of the maintenance men had been printing stuff off the internet that night. And I could tell when he showed up because all the guys swooned in. And I just stood there, kept running my machine. I wanted nothing to do with that. And finally one guy asked me, this is where he straight up, he wanted to know. He's like, I got to ask you this. Are you gay? I said, no. He's like, because those are some really good pictures. I'm like, I'm going to take your word for that. I have no idea. And we got to talking. And everything was just status quo. And we would talk. And he stopped cussing around me so much and all this stuff. And then one day his wife got cancer. And who do you think the first person he came to was? Because he didn't have an answer. I had an answer. He didn't have an answer. His wife was healed from cancer. Okay? Why does that matter? Because every day in my break, I sat there and I read my Bible. And I would talk to anybody I could. I didn't go around beating people over the head with it. But it's like, I'm doing my work under the Lord. I was the first one to get promoted. I was the first one to get a raise. And I was always getting bonuses. Why? Because I did my work unto the Lord. So when everybody else ran out of work and was screwing around and doing stupid stuff, not that I didn't do any of it. I like a good prank as much as the next guy. Right, Mike? Yep. You pay for those pranks on Mike, just so you know. But... It was like, it was always, I would always be ahead of the curve because I did everything unto the Lord. And it's like, man, what happens if we just do that? A person that I went to high school with that I had not seen for 10 years came knocking on my door one day in a feet of Christ. I didn't even know he knew where I lived. I hadn't seen him in a decade because all of a sudden his cousin was in a rough place and he didn't know where to turn and he didn't know what to do. And he came to me and said, will you come and talk to him and will you bring your Bible and all of that? Why did he come to me? Because when we were together, that's what I talked about. That's what I did. Am I special? No, I'm not. Ask my wife. She'll tell you there's nothing special about me. Ask my mother. She'll tell you the same thing. She's a pretty brutally honest woman. There's no mom goggles going on over there. But the truth of the matter is, is what happened to the person sowing the word? What happened to us bearing the image of God? See, we are His image bearer to carry His likeness everywhere we go. It doesn't matter what you do. If you're making sandwiches at Subway, do it unto the glory of the Lord. And don't forget the cheese. That's all I ask. You guys, we've got to recognize what it means here. Now, I'm cutting this short today so you all can go home. But we've got to get this image bearing aspect a part of our lives because we're praying for a revival right now. Do you know what revival means? Let me tell you what it means. It is not that you get goosebumps in church. And it is not that you get to fall down or the Holy Spirit touch you. It is that the Spirit of God is revived in the heart of man. And suddenly we start doing the work of the Lord. Boy, wouldn't that be interesting. What would this town look like? What would this county look like? What would your town look like? All of y'all. 
What would it look like if suddenly somebody just started living their life for God every day, didn't just talk about it, actually did it, and took those opportunities every single day to share the love of God somewhere, be intentional about it? What would happen? We see revival. We see people crawling to this place, just seeking the Lord, looking for help, looking for healing. Because this is the place where the Spirit of God comes. How do we know the Spirit of God comes? Because y'all are here. And in you is the Spirit of God. It's not about me. It's about y'all. We equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Hello, saints. Let's go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is true. Lord, I just ask that you light a fire in us. Light a fire in us. To quit sitting on our butts doing nothing. To quit talking a big game and doing nothing but to live our lives for you to the fullest, Lord. Quit playing games. To Quit going through the motions. It doesn't matter where we work. It doesn't matter what our family does, Lord. It's between you and I and us and, Lord, that you are in us and that you have given us everything that we need. And so, Lord, we thank you. We thank you. Father, I thank you that you are moving. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are moving. You are moving in this place, and you are, you are equipping us, and you are putting a burden in our hearts for those around us, Lord. May everything we do bring glory to you. May we be your image bearer throughout all the earth. Father, we thank you for that. It's in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you Sunday.